Well, I've got some good news. Customer service employees, church workers, coffee shop baristas, you all get a break. Because instead of you, everyone is now channeling their pent-up rage toward politicians and politics. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast, Episode 16, Outrage. Welcome to the Sandbox. You know, this political season is pretty interesting when talking about outrage. Uh, As you mentioned, Dave, people are directing that anger right toward the political conversation. Actually, I happened to catch an episode of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert a few weeks ago, and he was interviewing Fox News host Bill O'Reilly. Now, partway through the interview, Colbert asks O'Reilly, why do you think Trump is doing so well? Have a listen. Why do you think, why do you think Trump is doing so well, especially like an independent-minded New Hampshire? You, you know the guy. What, what is, what's his secret to appealing to the audience? Well, Trump hit history at the right time because people are angry. Trump and Sanders are really the same guy. They just changed their facial expressions. I've never seen them, I've right. never seen them in the same room at the same time. That's right. Yeah. Trump and Sanders are the same guy because they're both tapping into anger, the anger of the voter who feels they're getting hosed. On the right, they don't like the fact that there's an open border, they can't solve that problem, that ISIS beheading Americans, nothing really happens to ISIS. It's anger, anger, anger. On the left, they feel that the economy is run by the billionaires. So O'Reilly devolves into a, a strange imitation of Sanders. But the conversation continues, pointing out that what's making these campaigns successful and what's gathering new voters is a feeling of real anger. So Colbert asks this. Haven't people yeah. always appealed with anger? I mean, no. you get anger, and no. you get angry does on Jeb, your show. Did, yeah, but I'm different. Does Jeb Bush no, look you're angry? different? Does so Jeb you're, Bush look angry? He's not angry. No, he looks like, he looks bewildered. All right. <laughs> Why? So why not, is Jeb? Why is Jeb not, not doing well? Angry guy. Do you think he doesn't want to run? He looks like the kind of guy who thought he was going to a wedding and then he wanders into a bar mitzvah and goes, "I don't know what language. <laughs> do I put the little thing on my head? Look. Is this a is this a snack or a hat? I don't know what to do. Is it a, is it a taco? You've lost control. <laughs> Colbert's lost control. Let's no, go no, back to the original control. question. So that this time in history. People want an avenger. They don't want a politician. They want somebody to come in and blow the whole system. Do you think that's good? Do you think that's good? Because an avenger is not somebody who can necessarily govern or lead. He's somebody who can stir a crowd. But how do you go in there and change things? Now, I know it's dangerous to even bring up politics during a political campaign season. But I do think that this interview shows us something incredibly telling about how anger is channeled for something like a political campaign. Keep that in mind. and We'll come back to it later. All right. So I feel like Jerry Seinfeld now. What's the deal with anger and outrage, right? Is it good? Is it bad? Just look at The Incredible Hulk. Speaking of Avengers, right? Look at The Incredible Hulk. He's a good guy, but even he says, you won't like me when I'm angry. So Chris, settle it once and for all. Anger and outrage. Is it good? Is it bad? What do you think? Well, I was looking for some insight into today's topic when I found some surprisingly helpful information from WebMD. You went to WebMD. <laughs> I did. And now I know that WebMD is, WebMD is basically the site you go to so you can worry about all the ailments you might suffer from. Uh, but I thought this take on anger was pretty helpful. So anger is defined as a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. And as the article says, anger itself is neither good nor bad. Low to moderate anger can even work for good, prompting you to right wrongs and make improvements. But it also kicks your body's natural defenses into overdrive. Ongoing, intense anger is neither helpful nor healthy. 
The problem is, chronically angry people spend too much time in this hyped up state. And over time, that puts too much wear and tear on the body, making you more likely to get heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, and other problems. So basically, it's unhealthy physically to be angry too much of the time. But to answer your question, it does have some benefits as well. Sure. You know, but anger is a part of it, but it's not all of it. I think we're talking about something that is even a step further. It's even a step past anger. It's anger plus. I found this article in Psychology Today, which I think is maybe a step past WebMD, but (laughs) kind of. Anyways, so Psychology Today, it notes that outrage is an emotion made up of three parts. First, it's a bad feeling. Second, it has high arousal. That is, it's a powerful emotion. And third, it occurs when people experience a violation of a moral boundary. Or maybe you could say it like this. It cuts against one's core value or belief. And that's where outrage is born. So I don't know. I've got, I've got the Google on my computer. I, I don't know if you might want to you know, download that for your, your computer. But I got the Google and I was looking at the Google and it defined outrage as an extremely strong reaction of anger, shock, or indignation. This is a natural thing when a bad feeling and a powerful emotion are met with a violation of core values or beliefs. Now, why else would people freak out when they find out that Ben Affleck is with the new Batman? Or maybe a little bit more seriously and to the point, Edward Snowden. There are core values and beliefs getting violated on all sides of that case, and outrage was and is everywhere around it. You could also talk about also talk about the debates around gun ownership or or maybe even minimum wage. You know, and some of those things really are maybe deserving of of our outrage, but we do kind of go back and forth between the things that should deserve our attention and maybe the stupid things we shouldn't get upset about. But sometimes, and I I think this is actually the weird and annoying or interesting part about outrage, it's just that it just makes us do some weird things. Right, Dave? Seriously? Right, Dave? Why are you looking at me? Fine, I can tell a story. No, I mean, seriously. I mean, maybe you are just Mr. Zen-like state. I mean, I don't know. I mean, far, just for, you. far from it. Uh, so the thing that comes to my mind when thinking about outrage is, so I, I've always been a, a music collector. And so I always, like in high school, one of the things that my friends and I would do for fun is like just bring over hard drives full of music collections and just copy and paste them all into our iTunes libraries. So I had, you know, five or six years worth of this. I was maybe a sophomore or junior in high school or in college, and uh, I was having issues with my computer. And I'm also a little bit of a tech nerd, and because it's easy for me to do, the easiest way to fix a computer when you have problems is reinstall the whole operating system. So I went and I got everything set up, and I was going to clean everything off and start new. And something in the software tripped me up. And I ended up installing Windows over my entire music hard drive. So, well done. Yeah. So I about freaked out, and my roommates hated me for a good day and a half because <laughs> I was just a mess. I was angry. I was cranky. I like kicked my computer a good few times. Did it help? Just not at all. And I still <laughs> don't have a lot of that music back. But that's just kind of what what happened like that was just my my reaction i just exploded with this frustration so you lost your entire wilson phillips collection (laughs) (laughs) something like that (laughs) all right how about you now you've got to have a story 
Who, me? Um, fine, I'll share one. All right, so here's the thing. A few years ago, uh, the Green Bay Packers were playing the Seattle Seahawks in an early season game. Now, we are big Packer fans. I know you are as well, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm definitely a cheesehead. I love my team. Anyway, that was the year that they had those replacement refs. There was a labor dispute and some of some sort, and they had officials out there who had never called uh, professional games before. This had been going on for several weeks by the time this game took place. So Green Bay was winning, but not by much, and Seattle threw up a Hail Mary, a deep throw to try to score toward the end of the game. A player from Seattle went up to catch it in the end zone, and there were two officials standing right there. One called it a catch and signaled touchdown, which means Seattle would win the game. The other signaled that it was dropped, which means Green Bay would go on to win. After watching the replay and showing that Seattle had clearly dropped the ball, they still called it a touchdown. Now, even players for Seattle after the game said it clearly wasn't a catch. But I came unglued. I completely lost the edge. It, it, I, had lost, I, haven't, I hadn't lost the edge about a football game like that in, in some years. I went on a rampage. I carried on. I took, I took to social media. I absolutely freaked out. I'm not proud. I'm just saying. Then all at once, I came to, and I realized how stupid it was. Then I got mad for being mad. Seriously, I was outraged by a bad call. That night, one in nine children would go to bed hungry, and I was mad about a bad call in a football game? And, and I got to thinking, what's more offensive, my rage at a game or my apathy about things that really matter? Outrage is such a strange thing. Honestly, after sharing this story, you, you probably think I'm a bit unstable. I can assure you Chris is more unstable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not my status quo, but it was just it was this kind of stunning realization all at once about outrage and where it is and, and maybe where where it ought to be. But in some ways, that's not really an, an uncommon story, right? So yeah. so what causes these kinds of reactions and this kind of outrage? I think there's there's maybe a few things going on, depending on the topic, but but what what is that? Well, I mean, for starters, uh, number one, we are stretched so thin, and, and we are stretched so thin that it come, things come out in places that we don't want it to come out, right? Fast pace contributes to outrage. We're not very good at slowing down. We're overworked and we lack time for rest and, and creativity. Yeah, and I think with that fast pace too, everything just demands such an immediate reaction. You know, if there's something that happened on the news earlier today, if you don't have an, uh, an opinion on it a couple hours later, you know, people kind of wonder, oh, well, what are you, are you not thinking? Are you not, are you not trying to, did you not see that this was a story? Uh, we just, we're not really sure what to do with kind of taking our time to think. And I think that, that fast pace really, really pushes us along too. It's also important to rest. Seriously, just take a break. I think you can hear that pretty clear in, in my story. It, I come unglued about a football game. Well, maybe I need to just take a step back from the edge. And, <laughs> maybe you know, don't watch a little football maybe, for a maybe while. Maybe take a break for a while. And I think I actually did that <laughs> at the time. I said, I am done watching football. Anyways, but take a break. Reconnect with yourself. Reconnect with the people that, that you love. And, and we talked about this in Episode 7. Uh, stop. Catch your breath. You know, that's key. 
It's key. Pause and, and take a nap for crying out loud. Also, you know, like we were talking about this earlier too. One of my, my daughter's teachers when she was back when she was in kindergarten, I think, used to tell the kids, use your ignore muscles. I love that phrase. <laughs> I've just been sitting on that ever since we started talking about this episode. I, uh, it's really fast. It's such a great image mm-hmm. for what it takes to sometimes direct your energy into the right places. And it also shows that you need to practice. I mean, if you're working out and you're trying to, you know, get stronger, it just takes time and effort and continual practice to to build up muscles. And the same is true of ignoring things that probably should be ignored, right? Like football games? Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so maybe we can do some things so that we're not stretched as as thin for, for time and energy as we maybe are right now. But anger is still a thing, right? Mm. So we're going to get angry. Um, But maybe we can channel that somewhere um, that's more acceptable and healthy. So the thing that I like to think about when I think about this is is broomball. Broomball. So broomball, not football. Not football. Although I channel some energy into into the football season too. But but for me, it's broomball. So I hate winter. It's cold out. It's snowy. It's gross. But broomball, for two months out of the year, gets me outside – and active, and it's a great way to channel that energy. It's it's a place where, if if you're not familiar with with the game, it's basically like hockey, except for you're on shoes, so you're more likely to fall down, and you have a <laughs> stick that looks like a broom instead of a hockey stick. And just like hockey, it's totally acceptable to hit people, and the part of the game is that you're hitting the ball as hard as you can at the goal. So it's a whole lot of physical energy that gets it out, and I I love it, and I love to joke around about it, but really. There's something about channeling that energy, that ang- that kind of anxious, ang- maybe pent up anger into something like that, where you can say, here's a place where all of this energy goes instead of coming out at a football game or kicking your computer or those sorts of things that we maybe, maybe tend to do when we aren't channeling it better. Gives you a physical outlet, allows you to hit someone without getting arrested, uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, and there aren't a whole lot of places where that's where that's an okay it's thing. It's pretty much frowned upon at most establishments, <laughs> but no, and, and it helps you really. I mean, to to survive, uh, you know, if you haven't lived through a Minnesota winter, to survive through a, a Minnesota winter for sure. Absolutely, and you know, so there are there are some of those things, and I think sometimes we react to those smaller things or. And there's just natural stuff that's going on with the way that we're thinking or the way that our week is going that comes out with those outrage. But I think sometimes, and this is coming back to what we started talking about at the very beginning, I wonder if sometimes there's something maybe more sinister going in play that plays into a little bit of our outrage. I mean, what is, what's going on around us that draws this out? You've got 24-hour news networks that are constantly covering things like political campaigns and gun control debates and the war on Christmas and Starbucks coffee cups and and the thing is that passion brings debate and debate sells airtime. And I think that outrage sells. So is there something going on too, where it's not just us? Yeah. You know, I I found this, this article uh, by Parker Malloy. She's a blogger. She's a writer. She's an activist. And and she wrote uh, this thing last year and she was downtown Chicago at a cosmetics store called Sephora, uh, which I've heard of. I don't know, you know, don't spend a lot of time in cosmetic stores. Uh, just haven't done it. But uh, she was noticing the crazy names they give for colors, uh, the colors of nail polish and and lipstick and, and those sort of things. Again, something I've never done, but I have noticed it when I was painting out picking out paint for my for my house. 
I found a, we were painting a, a guest room in our house recently, and I was trying to decide between these two colors. One was called Midwife, and the other was called Chopsticks. <laughs> Those are your choices. Those are my Choose choices. wisely. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I know red, I know blue, I know green, but Midwife and Chopsticks, got nothing. Anyways, apparently the same thing is true of cosmetics. And Parker noticed that there was this lipstick color called Underage Red. Underage Red. So she took a picture of it and tweeted it, tweeted the picture with these exact words. When shopping for some makeup, how on earth is this a lipstick color? No exclamation marks, no angry emojis, snarky hashtags, no call to action, nothing. It was retweeted a modest amount of time for her. I mean, things usually get a bit more traction that she's this public figure. But most of the responses were laughing or, or mocking underage red as being a ridiculous name for a color. Nothing huge. She didn't care about the lipstick tweet. She's clear about this. And apparently nobody else really cared about the lipstick tweet either. Now, the media often scrolls through social media for stuff that people are talking about, and they found her tweet, and they latched onto it. Suddenly, Business Insider magazine has a headline saying, Sephora is selling an inappropriately named lipstick that has people disgusted. Fortune magazine picks it up, and their headline was this, People are outraged over Sephora's new lipstick name. Time Magazine has an article, five makeup names that are just as offensive as Underage Red. Suddenly, Parker is getting angry tweets, emails, and Facebook messages from people who are outraged by her non-existent outrage. As she said, these people were very angry at about how supposedly angry I was, which I wasn't. The whole thing was now suddenly trending huge on social media platforms. The person who created the color of the, the, the color name vowed to never apologize, which wasn't a request in the first place. And more and more coverage happened. Parker Malloy noted, the same media that creates the controversy criticizes people for being so perpetually outraged. She says, next time, before we get outraged by something we see in the media, pause, take a deep breath, and ask yourself a few questions. Number one, is this something that people are genuinely angry about? Two, is this something someone could reasonably not like? Three, is there actually a massive crowd calling for action? And four, what are you adding to the conversation by throwing a fit? Yeah, I think there are there, there is more than a little bit of manufactured outrage going on here. And I think you're right, Chris. Outrage sells. It sells magazines, sells lipstick, sells political candidates, Starbucks cups. The list goes on and on. Which I think just emphasizes what we were talking about just a minute ago about using those ignore muscles, about mm. just finding ways to take a minute to pause, to think about the way that we're reacting to something before we do. And sometimes we find out, like we were saying, that there are things worth being angry about and worth worth putting some energy into, and sometimes we find out that maybe not. Um, but it's really interesting, actually, I think, why this happens to us, why we jump there kind of from a, mm -hmm. like, what's going on in our brain. And this isn't something that I know a ton about, 
but it's this basic understanding that there's a model for the portions of our brains that basically splits things up into three sections. And one of those sections is the reptilian brain, and it's basically the part that relates to our survival skills. Uh, this includes our fight or flight responses, fear, and you guessed it, anger. And this is the part that really keeps us alive. It and, is, it is. It does the basic things that help us. These are the basic survival skills that helps us mm-hmm. kind of get away from danger and move toward positive things and all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, and this is, this is actually used pretty commonly when it comes to marketing and advertising. So this is exactly why those news networks can feed off of that. Right. But basically, if you can get people to respond in a more reactive way by playing into those parts of your brain, you can catch their attention, which if you grab their attention fast enough, translates into a positive impact for your brand. And uh, in a sense, you wanna buy my product or something terrible will happen to you and it might be death. Exactly. So I found this uh, explanation on a marketing blog, just kind of somebody just presenting their ideas about this and it was both fascinating and terrifying. (laughs) So the quote goes like this, you don't necessarily need to threaten your audience's immediate survival to grab their attention, although that will work to listen to the sandbox cooperative podcast there are specific (laughs) marketing techniques you can use for captivation these include tapping into your audience's pain points appeal to their innate selfishness demonstrate importance through contrast emphasize value tangibly focus on being focus on the beginning and the end use a visual metaphor and strike an emotional chord so again when we're angry one of the most important things we can do is slow down long enough to think before we act It's not necessarily a new idea or suggestion for us, but it's probably one of the more important ones. And like we were saying earlier, to figure out the best response to the things around us, it might just be using our ignore muscles. Sure, the ignore muscles thing. But maybe we employ the the ignore muscles on things that really do deserve our attention. I would argue some things legitimately deserve our anger, some things legitimately deserve our outrage. Not everything. But some things really, really do. We are the richest country in the history of the world, and we still have hunger. We still have homelessness, poverty. We live in the 21st century, and racism is rampant. These are things that legitimately deserve our anger. War and violence deserve our outrage, and we should be taking steps to change these realities. Channeling our anger and outrage toward advancing peace and and caring for one another I can't help but think that's a good thing. When it comes down to it, though, the things that get us justifiably angry often seem massive and incapable of change. So what if something really does need to change? And what do we actually do? I think first is take some time to actually think about it. Don't go with your gut reaction on everything. Second, do something. Focus on where you have an impact. Maybe ask, how does your anger propel you to constructive action? And third, look at what's bothering you. How does that give you insight into what you can change about you and in your circle of influence. It's not necessarily about not getting angry, maybe about putting that energy into the right things. So people sometimes ask me if Jesus was ever angry. I taught a whole class on this recently, and you know what? He was seriously angry and outraged at times. But as we've been saying, the real issue is what he does with the anger. How does he channel it? There is a story about a man whose hand was compromised, it was hurt, it was in need of healing, but it was the Sabbath day, and that is a day with all kinds of of strict rules. The Sabbath was a time when good Jewish people couldn't do any work. And to help this man, 
would be doing work. There are all kinds of religious leaders that happen to be standing around watching what Jesus uh, would do, seeing if he would do something wrong. So Jesus asked them, what would be the best thing to do on this holy day? Help someone in crisis or leave him helpless? The religious people were silent. Maybe they were using their ignore muscles. But Jesus is mad. He's outraged. As the story goes, he looks at the religious people with anger, and then he helps the man anyway, in spite of the letter of the law. Time after time, Jesus gets angry. But he uses that anger. He channels it to support, care, and lift people in need. For us, especially in these days, as we hear about political candidates fanning the anger of their followers and products selling outrage in order to increase profits. Maybe our task is to look at where we are offended or outraged, and before we fly off the handle, pause and ask, how can I use this? Can this be channeled to care for my neighbor, to make a difference in the life of another, and build up rather than destroy or harm? Is it possible that outrage and anger can be used for something other than political or financial gain? Could it instead be harnessed to bring something more beautiful into our world? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. Before we take off, we wanted to let you know about a few great conversations we have coming your way. In two weeks, we're talking religion and politics with former U.S. Congressman Tim Penny, and a few weeks later, we'll be sharing a conversation we had with philosopher and author Peter Rollins. And also looking ahead, on May 1st, Shane Claiborne will join, be joining us in the Sandbox for our next Sandbox Cooperative live event. You don't want to miss this. Shane will lead us in a conversation about social justice, peacemaking, and Jesus. For more details, be sure to check out our website at sandboxcooperative.com. And as always, let's keep the conversation going. Let us know what you think about this and other topics on Facebook and Twitter, and be sure to rate us on iTunes. Hearing from you is so helpful as we continue to growing this conversation and resource. Thanks for listening. We'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.